0: You have to allow your children to make mistakes, to um, completely agree with you. The more problems you solve for them, so that they even don't know that there are problems, the more it weakens them. It doesn't make them stronger or creative or better. It just makes them more dependent of you. This is what they call in psychology learned helplessness. In healthcare it's called hospitalization. If you take care of people who can think for themselves, it has a backward effect.
1: You're listening to The Elevate Podcast, and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life, and how you can do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Our quote for today is from Harry Cloud, ownership is the essence of leadership. My guest today, Bertold Hunster, is the founder of Umdanken, or Flip Thinking Philosophy. After studying at the Theater Academy in Utrecht, he worked as a theater director and writer for years. Since 2001, he and his team have been offering training, workshop, and shows about this philosophy to companies and individuals. Berthold has written 13 best-selling books about the Omdenkin theory, and his latest Flip Thinking is available now wherever books are sold. Berthold, welcome. It's great to have you on the Elevate podcast.
0: Thank you very much. Great to be here. Thank you.
1: So tell me a little bit about your early years. I know you have a theater background, but what were you interested
0: in? Was that something kind of, was that one of your first love as a kid? Theater and my childhood years. Well, my father made money by standing on a marketplace. He was a self-made man in a way, and he was for me a great example that you can achieve everything in life what you want to, which is not true. I found out, but you can achieve a lot, of course, if you are if you persevere and when you have clear goals and when you have luck. You need a lot of luck in life and talent too, but which is a gift. You don't own your talent; you can use it. So for me, he was a great example, and I wasn't really. Busy with what I wanted to be later on in life. When I finished high school, I thought, well, I become a teacher. I had a very nice teacher, geographical teacher and geography. So I studied geography, but I didn't find this very interesting. So my girlfriend, in this same period, she visited the school in Utrecht, which you mentioned, the theater school, and they were educating people to become teacher in the field of theater. So not an actor or a director, but a teacher. I stepped into the school because I liked the people there. I liked the atmosphere and, um, so this is what I became. I became a drama teacher, and but I never worked as a teacher. I worked as a drama director, and I worked with people in Utrecht um, in socially deprived uh, circumstances, uh, people unemployed people, homeless people, runaway kids. So this was my the start of my career was, was of a socially engaged environment. And I was thinking that I was would do this for the rest of my life. So this was the starting point of my career, so to say.
1: And so what was your first directing experience?
0: Uh, The first one was with a neighborhood group in uh, Utrecht, in a neighborhood called the Betonbuurt, and uh, close to a steel factory. A lot of people worked in this factory, a very close community. And together with them, these people, a group of eight people, we together created a theater play about poverty and how to deal with poverty. And the people that were on stage were also the people that... uh, experienced poverty so the actors were in essence the people that lived in this neighborhood and uh, so what i did was ask questions uh, listen to stories make theater scenes uh, performance out of them was my first experience with the world so to say
1: so i'm curious i have to assume that directing is has a lot of parallels to other forms of leadership you've got a Set a vision, build a team, execute, motivate them. uh, As you train, persevere. Yeah, as you train. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Keep a practice more than you play. Yeah. As you train organizations now, like what are some of the kind of lessons you share with them? Directly came from from directing.
0: This is a very grand, big question with a lot of answers, and uh, but a very can have as many answers as you want on that. Thank you very much. (laughs) So the most important thing I see is to just be honest. Be honest about everything and open, be curious, really ask people what their motives are, what they want. So if you want to have a collective, you really need everybody to step in and uh, of course, have a plan where you want to go to and you have to be, as a leader, you have to be very clear about telling this in visual and uh, have a kind of roadmap, but you need people to step in too because if they, you can be a leader if you don't have followers and they don't have to follow the common idea. So it's not about you. I think as a leader, you are at the bottom of the pyramid and supporting the whole system instead of leading the troops, so to say. But still, you need this common mission, this common goal, this common uh, aspiration. And um, I've worked with homeless people too, which is a more even difficult group because some of them were partly on the streets and, and made a theater play in Chicago in the US too, with homeless people there. And so what I noticed that this group was kind of loose sent, you know, people didn't really connect with one another. But as soon as the deadline of the play came nearby, people really believed that they could do this. People were interested in seeing a play of homer, homeless or former homeless people in this case. And then what happened, and this is, was very miraculous, I find that it, the members of the group started to, to take responsibility for one another. So it was not a leader asking for p- p- responsibility for the group, but it was a group themselves that wanted to achieve this goal. And so then you are you are together on a train that moves out of itself Then flow becomes process. Then everything become, becomes natural, but it takes a lot of time building trust and building vision and being really interested in people before such a kind of momentum can take off.
1: I think the first thing you said there, interestingly, was like it takes honesty i'm curious what is obviously in leadership i understand that in transparency what does dishonesty look like in <laughs> in theater like what does it look i know what it looks like in leadership but what does it look like in theater
0: in theater it's like acting you know it all whereas in fact you are, you are panicking inside yeah, You know, in theater, there's this, there's this audience that has a, an opinion. It's a very vulnerable field to achieve goals or to be successful, because what is success? You just don't don't know this for sure. So when you are insecure about your own uh, qualities, about the play itself, about what you want to make together, and you act as if you are, you know what you, people know this, people see through you. They know when you are insecure. And as soon as they know that you are the emperor without the clothes, and they keep silent, then this is bad leadership because then they act as if they go along with you, but in essence, they don't, because they know you are unsecure, you are acting as if you are, which you are in fact not. So being honest about your vulnerabilities and uh, the things you don't know, and the things you need them for, everybody needs one another. So this is what you really should send out as a message. We, I need you, yeah.
1: Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So one of my vulnerabilities is is making sure I pronounce things correctly, and so I think we we practiced this before the call. But so, where in this process did <laughs> uh, Om Denken come from? Did it come out of the theater? Yeah. How, yeah okay. Yeah. And did you start using it in in the theater?
0: first? Well, the, the nice thing about the theory is like in an improv, in an improv scene, so you mentioned I'm on stage and my colleague is entering stage and he says, uh, whoa, whoa, I'm a bear. Then this is the start of a scene. Well, when you want to make a scene, it's nice to be afraid of the bear because if you're not afraid, then there's no scene, there's no problem. These scenes need problems. So what you learn as an actor and as a director is to embrace problems as you can do something with the material kind of raw energy so to say so when on stage somebody else enters and says i'm a bear and i say so now what i'm not afraid or i have a gun i'll shoot you then the scene is dead so actors have to learn in improv that problems are nice things you can do something with they can lead you the way to opportunities so if there's a problem you have to learn a basic new instinctive into uncommon reaction to say yes to the problem embrace it Whereas in normal life, our parents teach us when your ball is going to the other side of the street, you you can cross the street, but, but, yes, but first look to the left, look to the right, be careful, problems might hurt you. So this is useful in normal life. When there's a problem, be aware. Problem is, in essence, a threat. Whereas in theater, a problem, in essence, is a possibility. So this intuitive approach to problems, this is what you can learn in theater, but you can... Translate this knowledge to normal life, where you are encountered. Everybody encounters a lots of problems every day. So the first instinctive reaction, which we are trained by our parents, is solve it, solve it, get rid of it, minimize it, um, control the problem. The best thing is to get rid of it. So a lot of problems you can solve, like a flat tire, you can repair a flat tire. But when life becomes more complex, when you are a leader of a system, organization with a lot of people, and then problems occur that are stubborn or difficult or complex, you have to learn as a leader in order to create something new out of it, to stay calm, explore the problem, look at the facts, look at your expectations, and then try to figure out a way, how can this problem be a gateway to a stepping stone to a possibility? I would not have made up without the problem itself does it make any sense Uh
1: yeah the translation which is the title of your book i just realized i don't think i said it is is flip thinking right so can you give us an example from your own work of how you used flip thinking? I think it makes sense. I'm sure people that are hearing it for the first time are a little saying, "Well, is this? Does this should I lean into this? The problem, the solution? Is it about acceptance?" And I think it's it's a little more intricate and differentiated. So maybe an example would help, kind of eliminate.
0: That. Yeah, I give you the simplest example I have. Imagine you are living in the north of uh, Holland, the Netherlands, which is a very flat country, flat, and it's on, in rural areas. It's windy. So what they come up. So if you want to organize a bicycle tour. Well, this is a problem because most of the time you will encounter a fierce wind against you as an opponent, right? So wind in this case, when cycling, a tour, is a problem most of the time. So what did they come up with in Groningen, which is a province in the north of Holland, flat as a pancake, very windy out there, uh, so-called ride with the wind tours. So what is the idea? Everybody gathers at a specific time and place. This is set in stone where the tour starts. But they prepared a tour for every wind direction. So that tour is chosen that day that fits the direction of the wind. Everybody like a sailboat is blown to the finish and there, and there's the clue of this story. Buses are waiting to bring you with bike and your luggage to the beginning. So now in this, and they really exist in Holland, right with the wind tours. So now the wind isn't an opponent, an enemy anymore, but an ally because it's always in the back.
1: So I think the distinction for people is probably clear in that case, or let me just say, it might be easier in that case where stopping the wind is a complicated multi-billion dollar problem. But I think what you're saying in these other situations where we can stop the problem, it might be, think about how to put your, to use a bad pun analogy, like how do you put your sail into the wind, you know, rather than, Trying to stop the wind. I think the cases there's probably more ingenuity in cases where you know
0: you can't change the problem, right? And this is the cornerstone omdenken or flip thinking. It starts with problems with facts you cannot change, and this is an important distinction. People, a lot of people take omdenken like this optimism or positivity, but in essence, it's. It's absolutely not. Omnenke starts with the things you cannot change in life. So this you might regard as the, you might say, the Zen, Buddhistic, or religious, or Stoic cornerstone of Omnenke. Accept that life isn't makeable. You cannot change everything. You know, sorrow, pain, loss, they are all part of life. Accept it, which is absolutely difficult. But as soon as you are able to accept it, to accept new things, then You might now and then open a wider view, how can I make a new possibility out of this situation? So accepting the unchangeable is the cornerstone of Omdenk. And is there a a full multi-step process that that one goes through that that you kind of outline? It's not a kind of mythology, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like uh, in my book, I have described 15 different strategies, how how you can deal with their problems. There are two basic steps. That you can apply to every problem. If you want to flip it. the first step is make go from problems to facts. Like the the example I gave about ride right with the wind tours. Wind is wind; you cannot change. So you can see that you can see things as a problem. You can also see them as a. When you are losing your hair as a man, you can see that as a problem, but you cannot change it. See it as a fact. So go from problem to fact. And I say in my language is go from yes but to yes. Well, if it would it would be restricted to this only one step, then it would be something like uh, acceptance or like you are bowing for reality. And this is not what omnecon is. Then a next step follows, but by saying yes and and adding something, adding something to the fact that you can. In some cases, you can go from a fact to a possibility. So step one: go from problem to fact, from yes but to yes. And step two, come from fact to possibility, from yes to yes and. But we might also say, go from how it should be, life, life how life should be, to how life is, and then go from how life is to how life could be, because the world of how things could be is a total different world as the world of how it should be. So these are the two steps.
1: Yeah, and, and it reminds me, embedded in there seems like an exercise, and we'll talk about this kind of in terms of if, if you're leading a team and how you kind of get them to this model. I've heard this shared different versions in the past. And when people say, we can't do something. Okay, well, why can't we do it? Give me five reasons. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Now, same group, how could we mitigate or overcome of those things and sort of putting it back on the team? Is that something that would be part of the process? Some an exercise like that?
0: I think what everybody, if you want to flip think reality or Omdenka, what it takes is that you can stay with a problem and carry the frustration that's in a problem and stay there. And this is what, to my conviction, innovative or creative people do. When there's a problem, they regard this problem as creative energy. Something to solve,
1: yeah. But I guess you're not, you said it before, it's not something to fix, right? But something no. to solve
0: around, is that... It's the it's the opposite. Yeah. It's, <laughs> am I talking too much? It's okay, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're good. Thank you. I feel so handicapped talking English. It's not my native tongue, but I think I managed... Okay, you understand me, right? You are doing much better than I would do
1: in the reverse. We'll stay with us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the way you pronounce Omnik and Battle Hünse was brilliant. People have to learn in a team, when there is a problem, stay calm. While you are frustrated... And And the moment you are sad, when all these emotions are going through your system or through it, through a team, and everybody's agitated, stay calm, stay calm while being frustrated. There's nothing wrong with being angry, frustrated, sad. All these emotions can be there, but stay calm in the same time, investigate the situation. What is exactly the problem, which is a very difficult question because a lot of problems are very complex or systemic, very difficult to discriminate. What is the problem right now? but stay calm and see problems as tension, creative tension, and use ways, take your time to create a complete new possibility.
1: When you're hiring for your small business, you wanna find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Elevate listeners. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info, the Pay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash elevate the problem is just a constraint right and i think some of the greatest innovation comes out of constraints in fact i think we have had a collapse in a lot of the companies that grew up with no constraints over the last decade right they had money they had money they could do everything there was no difficult choices and then as soon as that evaporated a little bit they didn't know what to do versus i think companies that grow out of constraints tend to be stronger and more creative otherwise so i maybe that's yeah the problem is a think of it as a constraint
0: i totally agree yeah this is a very important distinction you make if you are going smoothly and calmly through no problems then you don't have to be creative you know you just expect life to continue as it did but it doesn't because life there's always an ending to whatever you do there's an ending And there will be problems. So problems can make people stronger, creative, and more intelligent. This is what the cornerstone of Omdenken is. How can problems benefit to my life? And this is strange because we don't like problems to be there. But me, as Omdenken guy, I have learned, trained when there's a problem to stay calm, laugh, laugh, and make joy, be curious. So why is this a problem for me right now? So the question is, what do I want in which I am not successful? Because... There is a problem because I want something. If you don't want anything, you don't have problems. So a problem is always a desire, something you want, which isn't successful yet. Grasp your desire. And there's two groups.
1: I'd love to hear your perspective on this. The first is parents. And I will say, I don't know how bad it is where you are, but I'll say American parents become chief problem-solving officers for their children. (laughs) We call it in Holland, we call it helicopter apparent, helicoptering, you know? Uh, yes, moved on from that. We are now on onto snowplow because helicopter would imply that you're just hovering. This implies we just move obstacles, get them out of the way. So flip thinking would seem to be very contradictory to that. Kid calls from school and says, Mama, I forgot my soccer cleats. I have nothing to wear today. What would a flip thinking response to that be other than i will rush your soccer cleats over to you and leave work and i don't want you to feel any discomfort in this thing that i reminded you a hundred times that you needed to do <laughs>
0: uh, yeah this is a great i wrote a book about parenting too, education and uh, and um, yeah, i have three children myself so the example sounds quite familiar to me yeah, the first thing is just laugh just laugh you are panicking this is a good sign because you really want to go there Right, because if you want, if you would be bored, if you wouldn't care, then you were not motivated to go. So first, I would laugh. So, oh, that's great! You are motivated to go. So what can we do? What can I do? And then there's nothing wrong with solving problems, of course. But the best thing is for children to have their own problems. Like a friend of mine, he said, every child blue knees to fall on, and it makes them stronger. So. You have to allow your children to make mistakes To I completely agree with you. The more problems you solve for them, so that they even don't know that there are problems, the more it weakens them. It doesn't make them stronger or creative or better. It just makes them more dependent of you. This is what they call in psychology learned helplessness. In healthcare, it's called hospitalization. If you take care of people who can think for themselves, it has a backward effect. This is what I call stuck thinking, which is the opposite of flip thinking. Stuck thinking is a way of trying to solve a problem, but the way you solve it makes the problem worse.
1: So again, let's let's take this through. I'm not going to let you on the hook on this. Okay, so you said the first thing, and then so you're gonna, are you going to bring me the cleats? Let's preface this by the, this child has been reminded a hundred times to bring their cleats. Are you going to bring me the cleats? What, <laughs> what's the next step?
0: <laughs> I think maybe I would say... Um... I will. I love you. I do so. It's great that you are in panic now. And then maybe the next time you'll, um, you'll take care of them themselves. But there's nothing wrong with love and taking care of. And already in this example you give me, the child already knows that something should have been prepared. So your child will be more alert the next time. So in this case, I would say just uh, yes. I thought Nothing you might the...
1: say, again, figure out how to borrow cleats, find cleats, talk to the coach, do something to, like that. You have the constraint and you can't fix the constraint, right?
0: All very good questions. But in this moment, the training is beginning right now and they're spending now. now. I think I would go for the more lovely solving approach, not the omnink approach. Yeah. All
1: right. I'm not I'm going to let you tell that. Now it's two days later. Dad, I forgot him again.
0: Yeah. Well, now it becomes interesting. Now I won't be anymore. So I forgot them. I'm sorry. I don't know. And then just leave the room, just let let panic be there. Yeah. So children have to find out if you feed them, you eat them, you give them a computer, you do everything for them, you pay everything for them, they won't learn anything. So, how long will they stay at home? 20, 25, 30, 35. There's a day, of course, they should make their own money and do their own things. Well, you don't, you don't put this burden on on them when they are three or four years old well I was picturing teenager not three-year-old in this case yeah teenagers yeah. can do a lot of things themselves yeah but they they're stupid they make mistakes and uh they, is this is called prefrontal quep? cortex cortex yeah. yeah it isn't grown yet it, and I think it's only when they are 30 and they're really mature anyway so but yeah you have to create situations that are stressful for them and don't solve them right so they can learn it themselves yeah I agree with that
1: Okay. So flipping then leader, leading a team person comes with them and says, we've got this huge problem. Here's the problem. How does a leader approach that getting them into the flip mindset?
0: Well, then the first thing is it's always important to, um, to, to, know that a problem is a contradiction between facts, things as they are, and your expectation about reality. With expectation, I don't mean a kind of prediction about the future, but I mean something you should think that should be there, your expectation how things should work, or how people should do, or how customers should behave. So when facts don't measure don't match expectations then facts are a problem you know like rain you know rain what is rain rain is rain rain does not have an opinion then does not have a minute rain just is there it rains you know so but when you go camping with your children and your spouse and for two weeks and it's two weeks it's raining then rain is a real problem why i watch
1: people yeah i always say i know people who look at the weather constantly and every now and if you're trying to decide whether you want to go to the beach that day i get it but if you've booked an irrefundable vacation I, I to me I don't understand why you know if it's not going to change your behavior why you want to suffer through it versus like hey we'll we'll figure it out that day we'll go to the movies we'll
0: do something like it, it is the ultimate thing you don't control make something out of it right I agree so in essence what you're saying is make something out of it right it's not the cards you dealt but the way you play it so When the question is, so when somebody in the team comes with a problem, the first question is, uh, so what are the facts and what are your expectations? When it's raining, it's a problem when you want to go camping, but when you are a farmer, there's been a draft for months and then two weeks of rain is a blessing in disguise. So rain doesn't mean anything. It's a problem when you have a contradicting expectation. So when somebody in the team enters, the first thing um, I should do as a leader is to very precisely determine what are the facts. And what are your expectations? Because your expectations define the problem. I can only know why you experience facts as problem when I know your expectations. So I, the question would be, what is? so what is your expectation? And what is my expectation? What is the expectation of other people in the group? Because you can agree on the facts. But if you look with different expectations, then you see completely different problems. So if I want to know what problem you experience, I have to be... Uh, motivated to find out what you expect and as as your, as long as your expectations differ from mine or as long as we don't agree about the facts which is even more frustrating then we're talking about different problems right it might listen to you say that it
1: might be that the actual problem is that your expectations were when <laughs> you expected someone to behave in a way that was not rational
0: and now it's not aligned right yeah yeah. And this is in, in a lot of cases this is a problem that the expectations are the problem. And then solving is easy because you can let go of your expectations or change them or and then the problem is gone or maybe it's flipped whatever. But it's easier to change your expectations because you have a lot of influence on your expectations and less influence on effects. Like the ride with the wind tours, you know, when the expectation from make it a circle changes into make it a straight line, then the problem is gone. Or the expectation
1: that bike tours are never windy. Right in that case, like or bike tours are, are always easy. I mean, in a hilly country. No one, you don't schedule a all oh, uphill bike tour unless it's a super you know advanced one. Nor do people want to go on a super downhill one. So again, you you might build things around that.
0: Yeah, in in Holland there are also tours. These are against the wind tours. For cyclists who want to train to cycle against the wind, and there's a really hard competition in this, it's a very famous object, so to say. So it's all depending on your expectations, how you look at reality.
1: I'm curious, are there any objections to flip thinking? Or as someone starts to take this approach, what are the types of things that they might hear or sort of struggle with?
0: I think... Sometimes in life, you cannot change the facts, but you cannot change your expectations too. Like, let me give you, you a difficult problem. Uh, so let's say your uh, spouse uh, dies or a child has a chronic disease or whatever. So it's an illusion to say, well, just change your expectations because you want your child to be healthy, right? So there are some problems. You cannot change anything about it. You have to live with them. Like a little stone in your shoe, you know, it, it hurts and it can hurt a lot because stone is it's, it's a little pain, but sometimes the pain is immense. So now, how to deal with problems you cannot change at all? This is a question uh, I have been asked a lot of times. So, I've made a, So, what happens then is what I call frustration. On the frustration. So we have a problem. We want to solve it. We don't manage solving it. So we make a problem out. We have a problem. And this happens a lot of times. Uh, we start to complain, to talk with everybody. I have a problem. I can do anything about it. So how can you get yourself out of, this, out of this circle of misery, so to say, because every attempt to deal with a problem or to let go of it or to solve it makes the problem actually worse. It's an example of stuck thinking, frustration on frustration, making a problem out of the fact that, that you have a problem. So now I have made a kind of life rule for this, how to live, it's called the ISP, it sucks, it sucks. Period. So it is a problem. It is a real problem. It hurts. It really hurts. That is stoicism at its core. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Period. E-I-S-P. I I mean, an acronym for this. Yeah. And this is so my neighbor, she lost her husband after more than 40 years of a happy marriage. He went on a bicycle tour. He uh, had a heart attack and uh, he died immediately. It's a big disaster. So he was, but she was supported by her, her children, her family. And the neighborhood. So this first year that she was a widow, she felt uh, supported by the people nearby and loved, and so she managed to come through. But after this year, she wanted to be happy. She wanted to be happy again, and she was sure my late, hus- my late husband would have wanted me to be happy again. So, but she didn't. She couldn't, and she was frustrated about this. She was frustrated about the couldn't f- be happy at once. So this is frustration on frustration she already had a big problem and then she wanted herself she expected herself to be happy she just didn't manage she didn't find a way out until a good friend of her a woman who experienced the same thing said to her said to her she had lost her husband too it hurts so much the pain won't go away for the rest of your life believe me and when she heard this she told me at first it was the, the most horrifying sentence everybody every anybody had ever said to me in this last year but when i look at it Closer, I realized there was a lot of truth in this, and accepting the pain is, of course, very logical. because how naive would it be? Oh, I'm happy again. My husband died. Well, things in life happen. It rains now and then. Somebody dies. So the pain was, of course, the flip side of the love for a man. The more she had loved him, the bigger the pain would be. So now she could flip think her pain as the flip side of the love she always felt, and she tell she told me from that moment on. That the pain could just be there. If I felt overwhelmed by grief, I uh, sit in a chair and I cry. I let my tears pour down and I feel so happy in that moment. And this is what really moves me because actually, pain and luck or joy can be there in the same time. They can, um, how do you say, um, strengthen one another, they can help one another as friends, you know, pain and being joyful in the same time. So it sucks, period. Period. I'm curious, is there a problem in the world today? Well, that there's
1: a lot of problems in the world today. So is there a problem in the world today you think that flip thinking <laughs> could really
0: help with or maybe change the narrative around? Oh, well, when we are recording this, there's a war going on in Israel. And we talked with us about another in advance. So I feel very touched by how incredibly stupid the human race now and then still is. And here in Europe, we are relatively close to the war in Ukraine, too. I have friends in Ukraine living there, and they send me pictures of the the building they live in, which is in Bombarded. So this feels like, well, wasn't this a second war? We experienced things like this. Is this really happening in 2023? So in these complex situations, what we need is leaders that are able to really have a dialogue and really listening to one another and not thinking in terms of enemies, But in term, thinking in terms of we're all part of human race. And in a way, we are all the same. Although we differ from views and differ from interests, we still can find a way to live together. And uh, so, but you need leaders. um, You need leaders that have this tongue, this way of thinking, but you need followers and people that vote for leaders who want this same dialoguing way of managing through life because. It isn't that complicated at all, but we make a, a mess of it because we think in terms of enemies and interests and war and anxiety. Well, if you are in that train, in the train of hatred, it's very difficult to step out.
1: We could solve all
0: those problems. They feel like, they
1: feel like I agree with you. They feel like feel like you're watching history, like in a very almost unexplainable way, and looking at pictures and stuff of things that you hoped only happened in history books. Yeah,
0: it feels like it's a. Colorful world, these images come through as colors via television and a social media, but it feels like they're black and white pictures. So why is there color in them? It's 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 ancient, right, what we do now. All right,
1: last question. I'm gonna change what I usually ask a little bit. I'll customize it for some guests to you, but what's a personal or professional mistake you made in your life where upon reflection, on reflection, flip
0: thinking could have helped you? Yeah, so I'll tell you about a recent problem I encountered as a leader, because this is all about leadership too, right? Your podcast. I made this joke to one of our employees a female uh, female is woman right so a, a woman woman working for us for 16 years she feels like family like my sister we have a small company 25 people and the core of the company at the office is about 11 people so we are very close we know one another we know uh, our children uh, the very informal way of um, behaving together so i made this joke i won't repeat the joke it's too it's a bad joke it's a bit kind of sexist but she makes all these kinds of jokes all- I tell you the joke, right? I feel a little bit embarrassed telling this, but I like to share my shame because I think it's helpful. Your call. Thank you. <laughs> so I owed her some money, 20 euros. So uh, we were on an outing for uh, for with our company, uh, informal drinks and everybody had fun. So I gave her the money and I said, um, it was a great night last night. So which could be a nice joke. She laughed because she's making all these kinds of jokes all the time. And this was a very, in- I tell you, it was a very innocent joke. I thought. And she laughed. So I wouldn't remember this whole situation if she wouldn't come up, to come back to it a year later. And we have a very good conversation together. And she told me, Bertolt, uh, this joke you made, I know it's a joke. I know you don't mean anything. And I don't feel offended because I know it's just a joke. But I have some bad experiences in this field. And I want you to know that this is for me. A... It wasn't about you, but it was connecting. It was about her. And she explained this. Yeah. But why I tell this, it took her a year before she had the guts to tell me. For her, it was very vulnerable. She didn't accuse me. She knew it was a joke. So this is uh, what I've learned, is that leaders who say, my door is always open, you can tell me what you want, don't come into your, they don't come to you. An open door is not enough. If you are a leader, if you want, if, if you really want to know what motivates people, what they want, what their desires are, what their expectations are, what their problems are, you have to go to them, win their trust, take time and be aware of the fact that you don't know a lot of things that your employees experience. It's like, uh, you know, in a boat, you know, in a speedboat and you're making these gulfs behind you. Leaders look forward but you have to learn to look in the mirror look what have i done in the past what is still following me so you have to be aware of the future and of the past too this is the lesson i learned all
1: right well berthold thank you for joining us you have amazing story
0: thank you thank you it was a joy to be here and uh,
1: yeah i look forward to your uh, next chapter and wish you a ton of success with the book launch
0: yeah thank you very much and uh, like i said nice to be here it was joy To our listeners, thank you for listening to the Elevate podcast today. We'll include links
1: to Berthold and Flip Thinking on the detailed episode page at robertglazer.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to follow the show to be notified about new episodes and have them downloaded automatically to your chosen podcast player. Thanks again for your support. Until next time, keep elevating.